Thanks, Jaron. Uh, hey, is it cool if I step into the light? Yes. It's cool. I don't want to take your space. You know, when Jaron was asking us what specifics that we think of um, that bring us, you know, think about awe of God, I was thinking about, especially connected to that first line of that, of that um, beautiful hymn, is the other, it's been a month ago, maybe a year ago, so I was reading this article about how the scientists found, discovered that every star in, in, in the universe that, that we can kind of get light from, they found that, that each of those stars plays a unique, unique radio wave that no other star plays. And the scientists, just, just curious, hooked this ra- these radio waves, he recorded something, he hooked it up to a, a MIDI processor keyboard, electric keyboard, and found that the stars were making noise, that they were playing music. And I just think that's so beautiful that the stars literally sing the praises of God. How, how awesome that is. What an amazing God we serve. All right, so my name's Nathan. You probably don't know me. A few of you do. How you going, guys? Um, uh, I am um, a pastor, not a pastor here, but I am a pastor um, and uh, was a pastor in Midwest City. I'm not pastoring there now, but I'm actually um, on staff here. I do technology and whatnot. So um, if, you see, if you see a TV around, there's a good chance I plugged it in. Um, and maybe not. Um, the guys in the back, Roger, who's up here with us tonight, and his son-in-law, David, they do way more than I do. They're amazing. I love those guys. And um, I just want to say first, before I even get into to my, my lesson, um, man, I love this church. This is, a, this is a great church. You guys are blessed to have a, a wonderful staff, um, Jaron and Owen and Jeff and Jim and the girls, uh, um, why am I blinking all of a sudden? Amy and Miss Courtney, um, just sweet, sweet people, great people. People of God, just, I'm just blessed. You guys are blessed. And so I'm just grateful to be here tonight to get to bring a message. We're going to be talking about the Apostle Matthew. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to read verses. This is the calling of Matthew. We're going to look at verses 9 through 13 together. Let me give you a minute to get there. This is what God's word says. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in, his, in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus, were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, "Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners?" But when he heard it, he said, "Those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick." Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Hey, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to come and look at this word. Thank you, Lord, for the praises of yours that we've already sang. You are a wonderful God. We pray tonight, God, that this opportunity to come together, to hear your word, to sing your praises, God, would change our hearts, that we would leave this place different that this wouldn't just be an exercise, something that we do on Sunday nights, but would be an opportunity for you to speak into our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything that you do for the stars in the heavens. Thank you for the heart that beats in our chests, for the air that fills our lungs. 
It's all from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Tonight, as we look at the Apostle Matthew, um, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about him, uh, a little bit about him personally, but then also ask some questions about what we can learn from his conversion story. Like, what do we learn about Matthew specifically? And, and, and in that, what do we learn about God? Um, what are the, one of the things that we know for sure is that Matthew was one of the 12 apostles um, from Mark chapter 3. This is from Mark 3. You guys don't have to turn there. It says, um, Jesus went up to the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and might, he might send them out to preach. And he gave authority to cast out demons. And he appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Barajas, that is, son of sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the Iscariot. Who betrayed him. So we know based on this list that Matthew was one of the twelve. He was one of the ones in the inner circle. Uh, we also know that he was a tax collector um, based on the story that we read a moment ago. Um, and I'm sure you guys have heard a little bit about tax collectors before from other pastors, but tax collecting wasn't, um, these aren't, this is not IRS. Like we think about the IRS as not friendly people. If anybody works for the IRS, I'm sorry, I'm sure you're a really wonderful person. Um, my dealings with IRS is not so great. Um, but, but these people, tax collectors, they weren't just, just your friendly IRS, IRS agent. These were people who extorted those around them. They were, they were vile people. Um, they, they took advantage of their own in, in, in a very, very, um, oh man, horrible way. They, they just weren't normally great people. They, the, the people around them, the society around them would consider them traitors because their job was to raise funds for the occupying force. I mean, think about that for a moment. If some other country were to invade America and occupy us, could you imagine someone going to work for that occupying country to raise money from you so that they can occupy you? Like, that's, that's how bad this is. These people aren't, aren't well-liked. And that's Matthew, right? It's a very serious sin. It's not, uh, it's not insignificant. We are also fairly confident, and when I say fairly, it's pretty good uh, inclination that Matthew writes the gospel of Matthew. We, we don't know for a 100% fact because no one signs their gospels, really. Um, but the early church, when I say early church, I mean... 75 years after Jesus dies, they, people are already saying that Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew, so we have a pretty good inclination that he wrote it, um, and we'll see here in a minute why I also think that, that he wrote the Gospel. Um, his Gospel is one of the Gospels that gets used the most. It's, it's uh, very world-loved early, as far as early church was concerned. It was the Gospel that moved um, into the, the regions first. It was the one that was the most read. It was the most loved. It was when they came to make Scripture, canonize the Bible around 325. Matthew was never questioned. It was never uh, wondered, um, is it something authoritative? It was, it was early, loved early. So it's, a, so, um, it's been well-loved, well-received for, for, from the very beginning. So the question is, is this. 
From this story, from his story, what can we learn? What can we learn about Matthew? And I think there's three truths that we can learn about Matthew and three truths that we can learn about God. So let's start with Matthew. The first truth is this. Matthew was a changed man. When when he encountered Jesus, he did not walk away the same person. Let me illustrate why I say that. So I read to you a minute ago the, the... retelling of Matthew's conversion out of the gospel of Matthew, but it's actually also retold in Mark, the gospel of Mark, and the gospel of Luke. I'm going to read it out of both of those real quick. This is six verses each one. This is from Mark. He says, he went out again, talking to Jesus beside the sea, and the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose, and he followed him. So, Right there, we see one difference. The same thing in Luke. In Luke, it says, after he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Now, what's interesting is, is that when Matthew tells his version of the story, he calls himself Matthew. Now, it could just be that's his favorite name, right? They, they, they don't... When I was reading commentary, they kind of went back and forth on why it was, why he did this. It could just be that he liked Matthew. So my name's Nathan, and and, and a lot of people call me Nate. And and I I don't mind Nate. I like Nate. My wife has never liked it, um, which is funny. Um, But I don't care. Call me Nathan. Call me Nate. It's okay. And so if I I was writing something there, I could say Nate. Nate was doing this thing. Um, That could be part of it, but I I don't think so. See, I I think that, that... the other writers, Mark and Luke, as they write their gospel, and they know Matthew, but they knew him as Levi. They had knew who he was before he became converted, or the people that, for, for Luke, who told him that story, knew who he was. But see, when, when Levi met Jesus, Jesus changed him, and he walked away Matthew, a lot like Paul. See, before Paul ever met Jesus, Paul was Saul. He was a man who who hated Christianity, who persecuted Christianity. He was somebody else. He was some, some, some other person. But then when Jesus came to his life, he was different. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. So we, we, don't, we don't come into the presence of Jesus and walk away from the presence of Jesus the same person, do we? Or at least we shouldn't. Right? We, sh- we should never come into the presence of God and leave the presence of God the same person. It's one, of my, it's one of the reasons why I pray before I come in front of someone to speak and preach a message that we don't leave the same way we came. Because we shouldn't. And, and I think we can see that in Matthew's story that he came away from this encounter with Jesus, a new man, a changed man. It makes me think of the Apostle Paul, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He says, the new life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, somebody back there said, just so, so in awe that God would save me. Yeah, so in awe that God would save me, that now I get to, to be a new person, a new man, because I know Jesus. And I think Matthew would amen that. 
I think he would agree with this statement completely that after encounter with Jesus that he was no longer the same person. It was no longer Levi who lived. It was Matthew who lived with Jesus. The second thing I think that we can learn about Matthew is this, is that it, his conversion came at great personal cost. Another thing about tax collectors that's interesting is that tax collectors, you know, it's not like um, I've got a, a, a going to be a sophomore next year here at Southmore High School, and he's my oldest son. And, you know, oldest son, as a dad, I'm constantly giving him a hard time. Hey, what, what son, what are you going to do for a living, um, you know, when you turn 18 and you have to move out, right? Um, um, that was a joke, by the way. I was just kidding. Um, I, I, don't, I don't make him move. Nah, when he turns 18, he's got to get out. Anyway, so... Um, what are you going to do? What are you going to do for a living? What are you, what are you going to do? How, how, how are you going to, you know, how, how are you going to um, go be whatever? And for him, it's, it's not, he, you know, he doesn't worry. He's not worried about the cost of it. He gets to go and choose and decide and be whatever he wants. But that's not the way it was in this day. If you wanted to become a tax collector, you had to pay for it. You couldn't just go, you know, mom, I think I'll be a tax collector. No, you had to spend money, bribe people, become a person of influence. It was all these things. It was all these steps in order to be, get to that place. But when Jesus entered into the picture, Matthew walked away from all of that. He walked away from everything that he had built his life upon, everything that he had put all this energy and time and money and effort and everything that he had put into this life. It was supposed to set him up. It was supposed to set him up and his family up for generations. I mean, we don't know. He, he could, it could have been part of a family thing. But whatever it was, it cost him greatly. He dropped that most important thing in his life because he found something so much more important. He did all that to follow Jesus. And think about all those people that he now, after having cheated all these people, he had to go back to them and try to share the gospel with them. That must have taken humility. It must have taken great personal pain. But yet, Matthew does it. Matthew drops all those things, takes all that pain, and, and whatever it cost him, he paid the price to follow Jesus. And when I read that, it makes me wonder a question. Am I willing to pay that price? Are we willing to pay that price to follow Jesus? Because here's the truth, guys. Grace is free following Jesus isn't. It's not. It, I say this, you don't know this, because this is only my second time getting to speak here. I spoke here a couple of years ago over in the, the worship center. I think it was on July 25th. I don't remember that for a fact, but I think it was. Following Jesus is the most difficult thing you will ever do if you do it correctly. Right? It's, it's easy on the one hand because Jesus is so amazing but it's so difficult on the other, other hand because he asks you for everything. He asks us to put everything else aside. I, this morning I was, got a chance to, to, to preach at, at a different church this morning and was reading out of Matthew, when, Matthew chapter 12, when Jesus' family comes to him and says, Jesus, we want to talk to you. And Jesus says, who wants to talk to me? And, and your, your mom and your brothers, they're outside, they want to talk to you. And he goes, look around you. 
This is my mother and my brothers and my, and my sisters. This is my family. Jesus gave all that up, right? If it cost God, his own son, to save us, shouldn't it cost us everything to follow him? I think it should. I think it does. And the third thing that we learn about Matthew is this, and this is beautiful, is that Matthew wasn't perfect. And I say that's beautiful because Lord knows I'm not perfect. Lord knows I'm broken. I'm broken and I make mistakes and I've done the wrong thing more than once. And the fact that God would save an imperfect person gives me hope. It gives me hope that he can save me, that he can save anyone. My family got to go to church camp and um, I'm trying to be delicate with this story. I don't, it's gonna, this is going to go on a podcast tonight, but, but there was an individual that's going through some things. I'll, just, I'll put it that way. Going through some stuff. And they're going through the type of things that we typically as, as church folk look at and go, uh, we, don't, we don't want any part in that. We don't, we don't do those things. We don't want any part of that. That's not, that's not us. But my wife saw this individual as someone that God could save. Yes, they're broken. Yes, they're going through things that we don't agree with, we don't like. It's a lifestyle thing. We don't, we don't, we don't like those things. But Jesus loves that person. Loves that person in spite of the decisions that they're making, in spite of how they view themselves, in spite of all those things. Jesus still loves that person. And that person is not outside of the capability of God's grace saving them. And Matthew teaches us that. Matthew is a wicked, wretched sinner, but yet Jesus changes him, saves him. See, Jesus didn't come for perfect people. He came to redeem the willing. He came to take what was broken and make it right. So then let's turn real quickly into the three things that we know about God. So those are the three things we know about Matthew, right? He was a changed man because of Jesus. He was willing to pay the price, and he wasn't perfect. Now let's talk about God. Kind of piggybacking off that last one there from Matthew, here's a truth that we know about God is that our sins do not stop God from calling us. I know it's hard sometimes to accept this truth, right? We, we'll say things like, I need to clean up my act. I hear this a lot as, as a pastor, that people want to come to church or want to do something that God's calling them to do, and they go, well, when I get my act together, when I start behaving right, then, then I can get into a place where God can use me. But that's not, that's not what we see here at all. Right? God calls Matthew, Matthew repents, and that night they're having dinner at his house. Right? They, they, he, Matthew doesn't go, hey, Give me, give me some time, Jesus, you know, let me kind of, let me, let me get my stuff in order. Let me, let me, let me come to church for a few weeks. Let everybody get to know me a little bit. Let me, let me, you know, maybe I'll sing in the praise team for one Sunday. No, he, he just goes, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Because when God calls us, we go. And it doesn't matter what we're like. We just trust him to change us. 
Just like Matthew, all we really need is to be willing. That's it. We just need to be willing. We don't need to clean up. We just need to let go. Second thing I think that we learn about God is that God doesn't always call those who you think he should or shouldn't call. God doesn't always call the people that, that we think, oh, that person, that person should, should be called, or, oh, man, why, why would God call that person into the ministry, or why would God call that person? I think it's easy for us to get blinded by outward appearance. I think it's easy for us to, to only see the outside, but God looks past that. He looks to the heart. I mean, think about this. Think, let, let's be honest with ourselves for just a minute. All right? Let's be honest. If you were going to pick one person to take the gospel to the entire world, do you pick Saul of Tarsus? Does that make sense? Is that clicking? Do, do you pick Saul? You know, because he's the guy that's murdering the people like us. Do we pick him? No. If we're honest, no. But God saw something else in Saul. He saw the man Paul. He saw the suffering that he was going to do. He saw the, the, the wonderful letters that he was going to write. He saw the man he could be, not the man he was. Or what about David? Right? Would we have picked David for king? Remember that story? Samuel goes and he's like, show me, Jesse, show me your, your sons. And God keeps going, no, not that one. And, and a lot of Samuel's like, are you sure? <laughs> he, looked, he looked kingly. But no, David, the youngest, the smallest, the least insignificant, or least significant. You remember what God said to him in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 6, 16? So the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Talking about the brothers. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So the Lord always looks at the inside. And, and I'm telling you this not so that you would judge people. I'm telling you this so that you will look at yourselves. And there, there may be people in this room that God is calling tonight, calling into an area of ministry or calling into a deeper walk with him or calling you into something. I, I don't know. And, and, and we tell the Lord, well, not, I don't think you can call me. Right? We, we pull a Moses, right? You really want to send me? I, I, I can't even speak. But God can call you just where you are. He can call you into so many different things. Church, there are so many places that we can all serve. There, there, I was saying this this morning as well. Wherever you are in your life is not a coincidence. God has you at your work or your, 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 your space of influence, whatever that looks like. If you're retired, maybe you've got a club you go to or some friends you hang out with or your neighbors or whatever it is. Whatever you do in your life, God has you there specifically for a purpose. And he is calling you into the ministry of reconciliation with whoever is around you. And that doesn't cease. Guys, it never ever stops. The day that that ministry that God has given each of us as his followers, 
The day that ceases is the day he calls us home. Before that, it, it never stops. One of my, I don't want to say favorite, but one of my most inspiring stories um, comes from a story that everyone in this room knows very, very well, is, is the story of, of Trey Freeman. Um, if you don't know, Pastor Jeremy Freeman's son, he was seven years old when he passed away with cancer. And when I, we, we were in Los Angeles, and we know Jeremy from before we moved, and we followed that story closely on Facebook. And, and um, what taught or touched our heart so much was just hearing how Trey, with every breath he had, wanted to tell someone about Jesus. Every time a nurse came in, doctor came in, visitor came in, that young man was telling somebody about Jesus until the day Jesus called him home. And I think that's inspiring. For each of us, that's inspiring because we got way more than seven years. And we should be using every day to share Jesus with someone. Not, not just tell them. I'm talking live that life out. Live like Jesus so they can see Jesus in us. And then this is the last thing that we learn about God. Is that when God comes into your life, everything changes. Everything changes. Jesus changes absolutely everything. See, he changed Matthew's name. He changed Matthew's job. He changed Matthew's entire life. And you saw it. You saw it in Matthew. He, he didn't use the name Levi anymore. He used the name Matthew. He goes and writes a gospel because God had so impacted his life that he, he had to share it. He had to write it down. I don't know if you guys know the, the ministry here in the city, Hope is Alive. Does anybody know Hope is Alive? If you don't know about Hope is Alive, learn. Amazing ministry, doing amazing things, impacting lives. I had a chance one time to speak before with them. They, they, Lance brought a, some people from a house over and spoke. And Lance is the guy who, who runs the whole ministry. He's the director of the ministry. He brought some people over and, and someone shared a testimony. And, and I got to speak afterwards. And, and it, was, it was so, as a pastor, it was so awesome to, to speak with them in the room because they were just so into what I was saying because their life had been so radically changed by Jesus. When, when, when worship was hot, happening, when the song was playing, when, all, when we were praying, these people were in it. And the reason why they were in it is because God had taken them from rock bottom, that grace had brought them up from the depths of hell and changed their life. They had been radically changed by, by God. And the truth is, is, is that we should be the same. Well, it's a little bit harder for us, for me, I'll just, I mean, for me, I'll say, I won't talk about you. I love you enough not to do that to you. For me, it's a challenge because my faith and my walk with God has been gradual. Right? He's, he's brought me along slowly. I've never hit rock bottom. I don't know what it's like to have walked in those shoes. But the truth is, that's all because of grace. Amen? That, that it's all because of God's grace in my life that I never experienced those things. So I should see that and still fall on my knees before a holy God because he didn't let me go through such a thing. 
because he's been gracious to me. He should change my life, and I should be the same way they are. But yet we, I don't know, we, we struggle. And, so, and I wonder why. I wonder why we struggle. And I think there's two reasons why we struggle. I think the, one of the reasons is this, is that I don't, I'm not sure if people, and, I, and I'm not, not talking about you, I'm not sure if people in church really, really know Jesus. If they really, really know him. And you're like, what are, you, what are you saying, Nathan? What do you mean by that? I think there's this thing called cultural Christianity. And cultural Christianity says that as long as you do the things that Christians do, use the words that Christians use, then you, you're, you're a Christian. As long as you look like a duck, walk like a duck, talk like a duck, you're a duck. And we put on Jesus' clothes, but our hearts never change. And, and I know this is true because I've seen people who profess to be Christian act nothing like Christ. Act nothing like him. Guys, I'm just going to be really honest with you. We have a crisis in the church in America today. And that crisis is rooted in Christians acting nothing like Jesus. When I was in Los Angeles around de-churched and unchurched people, people who wanted nothing to do with church, their biggest complaint, you know what it was? Us. We were their biggest complaint. Too often, Christians who acted non-Christ-like. And that's, that's the struggle that we have, is because we've put on those, those external things, but our heart hasn't been impacted. And the second thing is this. I think the second reason why we struggle to really let God change everything We've, we've either just put on his clothing or we don't really want to pay the price. We, we really don't want to let go. Right? We, we, we're bad about this in America. We love having our cake and eating it too. Right? We, we, don't, we don't really want to pay the price the way Matthew paid the price. We don't really want to let go of ourselves just like that verse I read out of Galatians. Right? We don't really want to die to ourselves and live for Christ. See, unlike Matthew and so many others, we look at the price and just go, no, thank you. So here's my question, guys. I know there's a few of you and maybe, I don't know, I'm not sure. Owen's going to listen to this later and go, I don't know, Nathan, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but here's my question for us, for, for me. I'm going to ask myself this question. Am I willing to pay the price? Am I willing to let Jesus change me? Right here, right now, tonight. And no matter where you are in your walk, you could be a believer for 45, 55, 75 years. There is something, there is some space in your life that God is working on, and only you know what it is. I don't know what it is. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking every one of us in this room this question. Are you willing to let Jesus change you tonight? Right here, right now, in this moment, 
Are you willing to let him make a difference? Are you willing to let him take whatever it is that you're holding on to, whatever it is that you don't want to let go of, whatever it is that's keeping you from drawing closer to him, and saying, you know what, Jesus, I don't want that no more. Just like Matthew was willing to walk away from everything and be changed. Are we willing to do that tonight? Let's do this. Jaren, you're going to come back up right and lead us on another song. That's right. That's the plan. As he does that, as he leads us, let us sing together, but let us also pray together. Let us ask the Lord. Because, you know, the, the, the thing is, the tricky part about this is this. And you weren't expecting this. You weren't expecting me to ask that question, which is good. And so you're probably thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I, you know, I don't, it's a good question, but I don't really know. But this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity to go, okay, Jesus, let me ask you that serious question. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Holy Spirit, would you help me see what am I holding on to? Where am I not letting go? And then help me. Holy Spirit, help me let go, because we can't do it on our own. Amen? We can't. If we try, we fail. But with him, we succeed. Let us pray. Father, you are so gracious to let us have this opportunity, have this moment to come and, and be near you. You don't have to, Lord. You don't, you don't need us in any way. You are self-sufficient within the Trinity. You don't, you don't need us, but you, you want us. And, and you want us, and you, you've sent your Son to die to redeem us. And we are so grateful for that. Lord, I can't speak into the lives that are here because I don't know, but let me just pray for myself. Jesus, just, if there is anything in my life that I am holding back from you, anything that, that, that you want from me, anything that you want to change, maybe it's the way I treat my wife or the way I treat my, my neighbors or my family, the way I look at situations or people or, or, or the way I operate at my, my job, whatever it is, wherever you want, I just ask real simply, Lord, would you change me? Right here, right now, would I not walk away the same? And, and that's my, our prayer, Lord. All of our prayer tonight is that prayer. Jesus, would you change us tonight? Would you, would you just move us closer to you? Would you remove whatever you want from our lives, Lord, so that we could be more like you? Just like Matthew, Jesus. We want to be changed. It is in your name we pray. Amen.